Good morning, everyone. It is wonderful to be here. Um, I always say, since I've been here in the States, I've been saying, I am far from home. I mean, I'm not in Jamaica anymore. But it is wonderful to know that wherever I go, in the house of the Lord, I am home. And I feel like family. And so I am happy and I'm thankful to be here at the Bobby Brand Church of Christ. And I'm thankful for the elders for having me and giving me this opportunity to share with you the word of God. And my wife and I are thankful for all the individuals who greeted us this morning and have made us feel welcome. And we hope that, I hope, that as I share God's word with you, that you will be encouraged just as much as I was encouraged while I prepared this lesson. We'll be reading the text that was read earlier, Acts chapter 21, and we'll be reading verses 10 to 14. Acts chapter 21, verses 10 to 14. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down to Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, The will of the Lord be done. We honor God's word this morning by saying, Amen. Paul was at the latter end of his third missionary journey. And the Bible says here, or gives the account of him and those that were traveling with him, staying in Caesarea, and they were staying with Philip the Evangelist. It says that while they were staying a prophet came and warned or foretold of Paul's arrest in Jerusalem. Now those that were there, those that were traveling with him and those that were living in the area were fearful. They were worried. And so they tried to persuade Paul not to go to Jerusalem because they were worried about him. They would have been the brethren who would have so loved Paul for his work with them. And so they didn't want Paul to be arrested. But Paul's response was, why are you weeping? Why are you worried? Why are you trying to persuade me not to go? And so he declared and he said, I am ready to not only be bound, but also to die 
at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. See, Paul trusted the Lord's plan. Paul was committed to his task. Paul was ready to do the work of the Lord and he was ready to do it even if it meant that it would result in his death. This morning, Paul's statement will be my question, my question to myself and to us all. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? I don't say that to imply that when death comes, we can say, no, I'm not ready. I want to live some more. But I say that, or I ask the question, meaning, when the time comes, will you be found in a position, will your life have been used to serve God where you can confidently say, I am ready to die? Will you be found in a position where when Jesus return, it will be well with your soul as we sing in the song? You see, there is a life after the life that we live on earth. And that life is eternal. There is eternal life and there is eternal death. And the life that we live while we have the opportunity and while we have the time on earth, the life that we live and the choices that we make will determine which will be our reward. Whether it will be eternal life or it will be eternal death. And so Paul said, I am not only ready to be bound, but I am also ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul had reasons to be ready. He had a reason to feel confident enough and assured enough to say he was ready to die. And we will be looking at some of the reasons why Paul was ready. First, Paul was ready to die because he understood death was a reality. Death is a reality. Death is sure. And Paul understood this. And so when Paul made the statement, but also to die at Jerusalem, he showed, it shows that he accepted this reality. Whether his trip to Jerusalem would be the time that he would die was uncertain. But Paul knew that the possibility existed. Because if you are bounded by the enemy, if you are arrested by the enemy, then it is the, the possibility exists that you may die. And Paul knew that a possibility existed. But he still was ready to go. He knew that death was inevitable. You know that it would happen someday. Whether it would be that time or not. But he knew that it would happen someday. And when Paul would have considered the fact that death is a reality and death is inevitable. Paul would have must said to himself, 
It will happen someday. What better way to go than in the service of my Lord? For Paul said, for the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, our life on earth and the time that we have, we are to use it and we are to dedicate it to the service of God. Death is not the most pleasant subject, but it is an appointment that all men must keep. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 29, And as it is appointed for man to die once, but after there is the judgment. It sounds scary, but it is reality that the breath will leave our earthly tents one day. The breath that we now have one day, we will breathe our last breath. When we think about the idea of a tent, we think about camping. And when we go on a camping trip, the tent that we bring with us, we know that it will not be our permanent home. We know that while we're on that camping trip, we have that tent, and it will be a dwelling place for the time that the, trip's, the trip lasts. And so we don't invest everything into it, but at the same time we are careful what we do do with that tent because we mean to preserve it. When we think about the tent that we bring on that trip, we are also careful that we only take what's necessary. We don't want a bunch of stuff in the tent because then there won't be much space for you while you're there. And so you take what's necessary. When we think about our lives and we think about our bodies, it should be that we take care of it just as that concept. We should put into our lives and invest in our lives what's necessary, what's really needful, because we want to take care of this body. Because our life on earth is not permanent, but it is temporary. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, in verse 6 and 7, Solomon said, or makes it clear, that when we die, the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. And so we want to make sure that when our spirit returns to God, when God, when Jesus returns, that our, we are found in an acceptable condition, just as we would take care of our tent on a camping trip. You see, our life unhurt is not permanent, nor is it always long. In the book of James, in James chapter 4 and verse 14 and 15, James says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. He says, instead you ought to say, if the Lord's will, we will do this and we will do that. James teaches us that we are not to brag or boast about tomorrow. 
But the opportunity that we have, the life that we have, we are to make the best of it. But most importantly, he says, the life that we have, while we go about doing what we want to do, we are to live that life in the dependence and by the will of God. And so life is not permanent, but we ought to use what time we have to make ourselves ready for the return of our Lord. Our life on earth determines our destination. Contrary to what some people teach, some people believe, when you die, you can't change your destination. You can't pay your way into heaven, nor can you go to heaven on the good name of the church, on the good name of your family, nor can you go to heaven on the good name of your friends. When you die, there's no one that can be baptized in your place. And so it is important that when we're here and we have the time that we do what's needed to be done. In the book of John, John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, the Bible says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the grave will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Our choice now determines our eternal destination. If you have done well, the word of God says, meaning if you have done all that God requires of you, there are people that think, if I am a good person, if I don't steal, if I don't murder, if I don't lie, then I have done well. I have done good. But that's not all that's required. God requires our complete obedience. God requires us to follow his word. And it says when we do that, then eternal life will be ours. But it says those who have done evil, their destination is also fixed. Those who have done evil, eternal death, or they will be raised to condemnation. And so it is important that we prepare ourselves that when we are faced, we are not faced rather with the eternal tragedy of dying unprepared to face God. And so Paul was ready to die because he understood death was a reality. Have you accepted that death is a reality. Not only did Paul understand that death was a reality and so he was ready, but also Paul was ready to die because he was in Christ. Paul was ready to die because he was in Christ. We can say Paul in a sense was among those who are of the in crowd. We speak about the in crowd in our culture and we talk about people who are seen 
as privileged people are seen as having a great benefit. And when we think about Christians, Christians and when we think about those who are in Christ, we have we are very privileged people. We have many benefits. And when Paul would have considered death, Paul could be confident that he was ready because he was in Christ and he knew of the privileges that are in Christ. In Galatians 2, in verse 20, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Christ loves us all and Christ gave himself for us all. The Bible tells us that Christ gave his life a ransom for us. And Paul understood the love of Christ. He understood the fact that Christ gave himself for him. And so he was a Christian doing God's will despite what may come. He lived by faith in Jesus. And he was among those who could be confident, who could be assured by the love, the grace, and the sacrifice of God. To be in Christ is to have this assurance, assurance of love, assurance of grace, and assurance of a sacrifice that was made through love and grace. This should be what it means to us as Christians to be in Christ. To be in Christ is to be in the love of God, which will never depart from us. To be in Christ is to be in the protecting harms of God from which no one can pluck us. To be in Christ is to be in the family and household of God where we are loved and supported and will never be cast out unless we disobey the words of God. To be in Christ is to be in a state of justification. And Paul understood that he was in Christ. He understood that the life that he lived was for Christ. And Christ loved him. And so he would not have to fear death. He knew all spiritual blessings were in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Paul understood that being in Christ, meaning having access to all spiritual blessings. In a book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, verses 44 to 14, lists or tells us of the many spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Among these, it says, we have been chosen. We matter to God. It says, we have been made holy and blameless. We have been made fit to serve God. 
It says we have been made recipients of Christ's unconditional love. We have been adapted to be called sons of God, children of God. We have been accepted through Christ. In Christ we have redemption through Christ's blood. In Christ we have forgiveness of sins. In Christ we have his grace the grace of God that continually abound towards us. In Christ we have been made known His will through the Holy Scriptures. And in Christ, most of all, we have obtained or have access to an eternal inheritance, which is eternal life. And so Paul knew that these are the privilege that are in Christ. And because of this privilege, death to me, will be again. And so Paul was ready because he knew he was in Christ. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If we are in Christ, and if we are doing his will, then these are the same blessings that are available to us. And with these blessings, we can make ourselves ready. We can be more assured that we are ready for death. See, the world offers passing pleasures, but Christ offers life that's forever. The world offers passing pleasures, but in Christ there is life forever. In the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14, or 15 to 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of a father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. And the world is passing, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. And the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. The pleasures of the world are passing away. The scripture says not just some pleasures... But all the pleasures of the world will pass away. The pleasures that are in the world, they last for a short time. They keep changing. They lose their appeal. And they lose their worth or their wealth. But those who abide in Christ, those who abide by doing the will of God, the pleasures that are available are eternal. They're everlasting. The pleasures that are available are not pleasures that lose their appeal or their wealth, but they const they're constant in their state. And so the question is, are you ready to die? Are you in Christ, like Paul was in Christ? 
And so Paul was ready to die. Paul was ready to die because Paul understood that death was a reality. And he lived his life to please God with the time that he had. He was ready to die because he was in Christ and he understood that in Christ there are many <coughs> spiritual blessings. These spiritual blessings helped him to be confident of his position. Not, and also Paul was ready to die because he remained faithful. Paul was ready to die because he remained faithful. In the latter part of the text that we read earlier, Acts chapter 21, verse 14, it says, So when he could not, he would not be persuaded, we see saying, The will of the Lord be done. They loved Paul. They were concerned. And so they were trying to convince him, to persuade him, not to go to Jerusalem. Not to take the risk of being arrested. But Paul was, Paul's mind was made up. He was faithful to the mission that God gave him. And he was dedicated to serving God. And so it says he would not be persuaded. He was faithful to his task. If we ought to be ready to die, then we as Christians, we ought to be faithful. If we are going to be ready, then we must also be faithful to the mission that we have. We must be faithful to serving God. See, the Christian life is one that requires patience and endurance. It is one that requires patience and endurance. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul describes the Christian journey as a fight. He describes it as a race. In this race, we ought to think about it as a marathon and not a sprint, not a 100 meter sprint. It is not a 100 meter sprint, but it is a marathon. It is something that requires patience and endurance. The idea is from a Greek practice. It is said that when there was a victory over an invading army, a Greek messenger would race from the site of Marathon to Athens to deliver the message. And so, or modern, or the, in the Olympics now where we have the marathon, it was inspired by this practice. In many ways, the Christian life, the Christian journey, the Christian race is a marathon. It is something that requires our patience and the ability to endure. The writer of Hebrews, says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 
1 to 3. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sins which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from the sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. In this race, in being faithful Christians, it requires us to look backward. You may be wondering, why backward? If I'm running a race and I'm looking backward, won't others pass me along the way because I'm not paying attention to where I'm going? If I'm running a race and I'm looking backward, won't there be the possibility of me falling because I'm not paying attention, so I might just trip and fall? But you see, with a Christian race, it doesn't matter if you come first, second, third, or even last place. But what's important is that you finish. Is that you do endure. And by looking backward, it means that we are looking back at examples that we can learn from that will rather prevent us from falling instead of falling. The Hebrew writer here says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. He was referring to those people in the Old Testament that were faithful. We call them the, we call it in Hebrews chapter 11, faith's all of fame. People like Moses, like Abraham, people like Sarah, people like Rahab, people like Moses that were faithful to God. And he says, we look at these people for encouragement as our examples. These people, they lived by active faith and obeyed. They were blessed because of their faith and obedience. And they chose to serve God regardless of their condition in society or the society that surrounded them. And because of that, they were rewarded. And if we are going to endure sometime, we need to look back. We need to look back at examples like these that can help us, that can teach us lessons to prevent us from falling. The writer said in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelieving, in departing from the living God. By looking at these examples, we can make sure that there is not in us an evil heart of unbelieving. Not only do we have to look backward, but we also have to look inward. The Christian journey, the Christian race, is a race that we have to look inward. The writer said, 
in verse 1 of the text that we must lay aside the things that so easily ensnares us, the sins, the weight that so easily ensnares us, that we may be able to run with endurance. It is a race that requires inward examination. We are to make the necessary changes, lay aside the distractions and the endurances. If you're running a race and you're running with some weight, then it is possible that you won't finish. Because with all that weight, you may not go any further. If you're running a race and at the same time you're trying to watch a movie, you may not finish that race because you're distracted by the movie. It is the same way in our Christian lives, in our journey, while we go along, the things that are in our lives as distractions, as weight, if we keep them, they'll drag us down and we will not finish. And so the Christian race requires inward examination. It requires us to improve ourselves, improve our ta tactics and our techniques. Athletes train and they improve their training schedules and styles to get better results. As Christians, we have to do the things in our lives that will help us to improve and help us to better run the race. And so we have to look backward at examples. We have to look inward at ourselves. And we also have to look upward. The Hebrew writer makes mention of Jesus. And he said in verse 2 that looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He said we have to look upward to Jesus. Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the author, meaning he is the leader. It means that he is the one that we ought to be imitating. It means that just as he endured the cross, as the, as the writer mentions the cross, the shame, the, the hostility of the cross, he says, just as he endured these things, we are also to endure. He is the finisher of our faith. Because he is the one that makes us perfect. It is by the study of his word and by his example that we will finish this race. So through his example and by his strength, we can run and we can endure and we can finish. The writer says, by looking to Jesus, we make sure that we do not become weary and discouraged in our souls. And finally, in our race, we have to look forward. So we have to look backward at examples. We have to look inward at ourselves. We have to look upward to Jesus. But we also have to look forward. We have to look forward to that reward that will be given to us when we finish. I see no greater motivation or inspiration to finish a race than a reward that I will get. And if I know that I will win a reward, then I will want to finish the race. The writer, or Paul in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 25 says, 
and everyone who competes for a prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. The Christian race is a race in which we win an imperishable crown. Back then in Greece, in the Olympics, the practice was the man that won was given a crown. But that crown was made from plants and flowers. And after a time, the plant would wither, the flowers would wither, and they would fall off. And so it wouldn't be of any use after a while. But the race we're running, when we finish, the crown that will be given to us is an everlasting crown. A crown that does not perish. And this is in the form of eternal life. And so are you ready to die? As a Christian, as a child of God, have you been faithful? Have you been looking backward, inward, upward, and been looking forward? You see, it is as easy to live as it is to die. The condition you were in when you died, so you will be found in judgment. And the way you were found in judgment, so you shall be forever. Death is a reality, but not the end. And when we die, we will be judged on our earthly lies, on the choices that we make. Our lives must be used to serve God. As Christians, we must be faithful. If not, we are not ready to die. And glory be to God, the book of Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest that can sympathize with us. And so we know that we can go to God in prayer and ask for repentance and make it right with him. But if we're not Christians, if we're not in Christ, like Paul was, as we said before, Paul was ready because he was a Christian. He was in Christ and he knew the wonderful blessings he had. If you are not in Christ, you don't have these spiritual blessings that he gives. Therefore, you are not ready to die. If you seek to be in Christ, then the way to get into Christ is by the hearing of his word. We must hear his word. You must believe that his word is his and it is from him. You must repent of your sins. Choose to live a different life. A life that is guided by the will of God. You must confess Jesus Christ as the son of the living God and be baptized for the remission of your sins and then serve God faithfully. As our song leader prepares to come to us with a song of invitation, let us think and act on these things so like Paul, we can confidently say, I am ready to die. One of 